What up, my fellow Survivor lovers? Welcome to Survivor Historian with Jacob and Tony. We are back for season 46 of Survivor. We did not give you a preview of the season because the challenge was still going on month five of its previous season. <laughs> the same one that if you're a Survivor only fans, yes, the same season of the challenge that was going the last time you were here listening to Tony and I talk yeah. about the last season of Survivor. So no season preview, but we are going to be here as close to every week as possible to discuss Survivor 46 in all of its wonderful glory. Hopeful glory started strong, certainly with the first episode. Tony, how are we doing? Good. Um, I forgot that we were. I remember us talking about the fact that we were. We might still be talking about Battle for a New Champ while we started season forty six, and we came very close. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that I didn't watch the reunion, I would have been trying to juggle both of them. Yeah, they they were at least smart enough to finally end it five months later, one week before the the premiere of Survivor, because they do. But they still they just love they love to overlap over there at oh, MTV. Yeah. They just have such a conviction that they just want to force their fans who clearly like all of the shows and all the other ones are on CBS. And they just clearly want to want to have that strong overlap, want to have finales, premieres, same night, all the all the stuff. But. We're not here to talk about that. We are here to talk no. Survivor 46, brand new season, kicked off uh, a couple nights ago. We're coming to you recording on Saturday. Don't know when you'll be listening to this, but we will hopefully be here most every week, every week that the schedules allow to break down this season with all of you. And as we did last season in our inaugural season, we will be here sometime between the days <laughs> Thursday and Tuesday, uh, sometime after the episode airs. So that's that's the promise. That's the only bit of a promise that we're going into the season with. And we will do our best to make sure that these podcasts are shorter than the episodes that they are covering. That is yes. our only time limit goal. <laughs> it's not a promise. It's just a goal. It's not necessarily going to be met every week. We'll see, especially week one here. There is a lot to get to 18 new players, three new tribes, same old Jeff, same old Fiji, but uh, you know, the, the faces and everything else are new as far as, agenda for the podcast we are going to probably keep the same format as we did last season thought we found a good thing i think you agree with that tony but yeah do uh do the same going to kind of walk through each episode try our best again from a time length perspective we we could make this five hours long we will do our best <laughs> not to not have touch on every single thing although there is a lot to talk about uh but walk through the episode hit all the major storylines all the major opinions and then recap at the end with some awards some power rankings predictions all the fun things of that nature and i believe today we also have a couple listener submitted questions i'm told we do Tony. Yeah, so we got a couple of those. So if anyone's listening, uh, there's many ways to get in touch with either Tony or I, but feel free, send them in. We will gladly answer them. That makes us feel cool that anyone yeah. <laughs> wants to send us a question. So absolutely do that. And uh, yeah, we've got a couple for today, right, Tony? That we do. Okay, wonderful. Well, we will get to those. We'll probably put those more closer to the end, but as always, uh, timestamps in the description below. So if you're... 
If you're looking for just an opinion about one specific thing that happened in an episode or just want to know who our episode MVP was or you submitted a question, you want to see if we answer it, uh, use the timestamps accordingly. But uh, we love and appreciate everyone listening to any single second and or all of these episodes. So, yeah, that's the plan. And uh, I don't think there's much else to discuss in advance. I think we just dive right in, right? Let's do it. All right. Yeah. Big premiere episode. So a lot to get to. Let's dive in and uh, take a stroll on the beautiful beaches of Fiji for the opening of Survivor 46. So we open with uh, same, you know, the opening that we're used to, although I will say the montage this time, the opening montage, which I do have a question for you about, um, was very good. And they all, you know, arrived at the beach, arrived with Jeff, a little choppy waters. They come in on it's raining to start, which, uh, is an ominous sign. I would think for the season, I'd be very <laughs> upset if I was the player and like, can we not, can it just be sunny and nice? I, that's how I envisioned this moment. I'm glad it's happening, but could it just be sunny and nice? And we get to the beach and we meet our 18 new hopeful future survivor champions. Although at least one of them can't win as Jeff tells them, there's at least one person there who cannot win. Um, what were your initial first reactions to the entrance to the opening montage and to the, the 18 new faces that we get standing in front of Jeff. So right off the top, the thing that struck me is the fact that Tevin did the intro, not Jeff. Um, that was the question I was going to ask yeah. you. So he can't win, right? I don't know. Maybe it's our winners at it. Cause Carolyn's Carolyn was, I mean, Carolyn was her zero vote finalist on her season, but she was the one who kind of like opened the season. Um, but it wasn't the full montage. No. Like it, Tevin was straight up the narrator of yeah. the 92nd introduction to the season. And it never switched from, it was him narrating the entire time. And I was like, that's, a great sign that you're going to be a star of this season um, and that we already know. I already like you and I already know you're awesome. And I haven't even actually seen you yet until yeah. the very end of it. I've just been listening to you, but I, I it was the first, very first note I wrote down of the whole episode before I even knew who it was or his name. I wrote the person doing the narration clearly can't win. So cross him off as far as winners go, right? Like that would be too on the nose, but maybe, maybe not. I don't know. They, so what they did was they, because he is an actor and because he's got such like an amazing voice, they, one of the producers just like sat him down and put the camera on him and was like, explain survivor. And that's how they got the intro. Did a damn good was, job of it. <laughs> yeah. Like it was fantastic. I, I now want like when they did alone season one and then the guy who won then narrated the the next couple of seasons, that's what they need to do. Tevin needs to be the new narrator for survivor. I'm fine with that. Um, I also misread like 90% of the cast when I did, when I like did my preseason stuff, like looking at the interviews and everything like that. So many people just like totally against type or like not what I anticipated them being. Um, a few of them exactly what I anticipated them being. Um, and we will get into that later, but yeah, there are a few people that I was really surprised by. Um, I like pretty much everyone this season. Okay. I ended up doing zero prep work. And I, by zero, I mean, I didn't know anyone's name or what they looked like. I truly met these people for the first time in the opening moments of the episode, which was was eventually by design. I like went into the week ahead of the premiere being like, I'm going to go listen to a bunch of the interviews. I'm going to read all the bios. I'm going to do all the stuff. And then I literally sat down to do it and was like, you know what? 
it might be fun to not do that. It might be I like the contrast. Go fully like I only have the evidence of what they put on my television screen. Um, but there was no like standout moment the way there was, you know, last season, obviously we had the big moment right at the start when Emily called out Bruce and was like, Oh wow, this, <laughs> this is getting going really early. This was a little more regular. Like we're all excited to be here. Can we just do this challenge? So yeah. they do the opening challenge, which wasn't super eventful. Um, I don't know how I feel. I, they need the opening challenge. Cause I, they need the whole, like, do you get the supplies or not right. and everything? But like, I'm not usually that interested in it. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to see them. Like we literally just met on this boat and we have to like work together now for a very important purpose. And so like, that's kind of cool, but that dynamic doesn't really play out at least in the design of the challenge they have here. It doesn't, if it was just like one big puzzle or something where it was truly just like you guys all sit around and talk together and communicate and you've never met, that might be interesting, but I didn't think there was anything really noteworthy other than, the yellow team wins and by yellow i mean nami uh i'm gonna do my best to to learn and use the tribe names uh this season and not just say yellow green and purple Um, so there's been a debate in my house as to whether they are yellow or orange i say they are orange but you're correct i'm colorblind as well so i'm looking at the survivor wiki and it is definitely more orange than yellow it's a different uh, orange than they normally use. Like I'm rocking the 45 merge buff. That's like a bright orange, but yeah, this one, that one's a like a dude. Yeah. It's a little quieter. Yeah. It's more pastel than uh, vibrant for sure. But yeah, I yeah. think you're right. Orange, but either way, Nami, we're going to, we're going to say Nami. If we say orange, we mean Nami green is Siga and Yanu is purple. And uh, so yeah, Nami wins and they get their supplies. They get to go off to their beach. And the other two have to pick between Sweat and Savvy. And the team that got second, which I believe was Siga, the green team, um, picks Savvy, thinking that you know Sweat tires people out and let's tire them out was basically their, their reasoning for it. And then they both go back and have to do those missions. How are you feeling? Are, is, this, is it all six new uh, modern seasons, whatever we call new era survivor? All of them have had Sweat versus Savvy. Is this our sixth time season? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you feeling about Sweat and Savvy? Because, uh, spoiler alert, they both uh, fail and or quit um, again, which is, I, I don't know what the success rate has been historically, but it's definitely as much failure, if not more, than there up is. In, well, up until last season, I'm pretty sure that they had got it. Um, it was last season where, like, they both tanked on that weird puzzle. And then, because that one, so last season was Sweat and Savvy combined. Um, and then this season, so Jeff said on, on fire that the whole point of it is all of these tasks are attainable. You can complete them. They are not impossible. They don't want to have a zero finish. They want people to get their stuff. They just want them to work for it. So I think Jelinski's problem was misunderstanding what the definition of several is and, as far as like, as far as Ben and Charlie, they just didn't quite catch it, but it was right in front of them. So I like it. What I actually like more, this is, I think the first um, opening challenge where they've had everything right in front of them. There wasn't a part where you have to run down the beach and you're obscured for any period of time because like with high and them that allowed them to do like the blood and 
mud and everything else with the um, odds and ends. And then other people like were running up the other beach the other way. But this allows everybody on the season to see what everybody else is capable of right out of the gate. And I do like that. But yeah, I do like I like the opening challenge because it gives everybody a chance to see what everybody else can do. Um, I think that it also allowed Siga to make a more informed decision about Sweat versus Savvy, um, knowing that Yanu is the stronger tribe, seemingly, to give them like the Sweat task versus looking at their own members and being like, ah, maybe not. Yeah, I. This was my favorite version of it, of like Same. making, and again, I, it's absolutely necessary. The opening challenge is necessary for the supplies purposes. I think Jeff is being a little facetious. I think they definitely, if they truly had their pick, they like, they don't want all three tribes to get all of their stuff right away. It's more interesting if someone doesn't or whatever. Um, and they give them to them pretty quick uh, as far After as like, challenge, yeah. you only have to make it two days because um, it's, the third day they do the challenge and everyone gets it after that. Um, so it's not super long anyways, but it is super impactful. Certainly. Um, and we might as well just, before we get into each, each tribe, we could discuss what actually yeah happens in the sweat and savvy. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think the, the two guys doing the puzzle, no, no real harm done. Like sucks that you don't get it, but like, you know, it seemed they tried. like a legitimately difficult puzzle and they yep. were right there on the edge. They figured out the whole below thing, but not quite all the way there. Um, the, the, the savvy part though, or the sweat part. I mean, obviously we're going to talk about Jelinski a lot this episode and thankfully not have to talk about him anymore after this episode. But, uh, that is super hard to do obviously. And yes, I don't, they, so did, Jeff kind of confirmed in the discussion of what does several mean that uh, it was a four hours was like the pretty, the, the actual time limit. Yeah. It's usually four hours. Yeah. And I mean, that's brutal. That is yeah. a really, really physically exhausting task, but I mean, I'm, you have a collegiate football player uh, that is like clearly like I, I can handle this and I yeah. could probably carry the extra weight of this because uh, you know because yes this is going to tire anyone and everyone out but like i'm i have some background in doing you know physically exhausting four-hour workouts or whatever and so to just give up halfway through i don't know if it would have been worse if he obviously the end result would have you know if there wasn't a worse end result of the episode for him but would it have been that much worse if he was just like i need to take a break you keep going and like see like I sit here for 20 minutes and see how Q does on his own or whatever to their credit though. They did not look like they were getting much water. in those. In no. Those so it, what bothered me and it's so basic and it's so I'm on the couch watching versus like them actually doing it. But I'm looking at this. They've got holes in the bucket. They have to get like from beach to, to earn they take their shirts off at one point because it's obviously Han, blah, blah, blah. Like, so they discard their shirts. Why would you not wrap the bucket in your shirt so that it catches the water that's coming out and then you wring your shirt into the bucket to catch the offset? Yeah, that's really good. Maybe they, there's a chain where they maybe told they weren't allowed to do that. Who knows? Um, maybe. We don't like, know if they get extra rules that we're not told. Yeah, that or I also thought while it's, again, it makes it, 
even more maybe frustrating to work together you might you could only just use one bucket and walk together and you could cover all the holes while you walked if you were both holding the same bucket yeah i don't know if then you have enough speed but like then you're getting full buckets in there or so. if or if you double the bucket like if you put one bucket in the other then oh, yeah it, you could line it up so that the holes don't match yeah and like you even just take turns carrying like the double bucket of like yeah. if we double these up one of them you know we basically just have one bucket without holes take turns going twice as many forward, trips but no spillage fast. yeah i think there's ways to do it and certainly there was at least like i don't know if you quit if it's three hours in and you quit i think your tribe's like okay we get it you were three hours yeah. in and the thing was 10 percent full like great but an hour and a half in you're like you haven't yeah. even used up half your time and you've decided that this is impossible and you're not going to get it like i don't know dude or it, again worst worst case be like cute we're not going to get this done we should sit on the beach for the full four hours though. Right? Like if we're yeah. going to quit, we shouldn't walk back <laughs> right now. We should wait and we should both agree to lie about this. Right. And like, yeah. then one of you probably doesn't Q probably. And that says, maybe says, sure, let's lie about it. And then goes and tells everyone, but regardless, I don't know. Lots of different ways to handle it is all I'm saying. Yeah. And like, I don't know if you need to have a definition of the word several underneath the actual like description or, I mean, one surefire way for Jelinski to not warm himself to the survivor audience is to break an hourglass. Yeah, that was that was an interesting look and to well, piss off production too. piss off production. Glass. Everybody has PTSD from when they were breaking hourglasses to switch people's immunity a couple seasons ago. Like nobody wants to see that, especially yeah. nobody wants to see somebody quit. We just had last season where we had two people quit. And look at the uproar. And then you've got somebody who's still in the game who actively quit everything that they did. Yeah, but would never yeah. quit. Would never, would never no, quit. Would never quit, um, except for that one time and that other time. Yeah, we'll get to that at Tribal yeah. Council. But for now, let's talk, go tribe by tribe and talk about all these new people. So we will start with Yanu, and this is where we're going to go slightly non-chronological. We're going to talk about each tribe, uh, everything from the tribe leading up to the the challenge uh, on day three. So obviously not purely chronological of the episode, but it's just easier to group one tribe at a time here. And we'll start with Yanu because then we're obviously going to talk about them again as they are the eventual losers and we'll discuss their tribal council and everything. Are th were they to me? They were clearly the most interesting tribe uh, from the start. Before they lose, before uh, before Jelensky is being everything that he is in this episode and everything else. Just the, as far as all six people, I felt there was a there was a clear kind of story that presented itself immediately. I felt a connection, felt some level of entertainment from. Uh, did that? Did you have a similar feeling? Um, and maybe it's also colored by when we get to the other two tribes. It was as much this tribe is super interesting to me and the other two tribes where there was a little less of that maybe going on as much as this one rising above. But I thought they were the most interesting right out of the gate. How did you feel? I think that they're interesting in the sense that if you look at that tribe, this is the tribe that should be kind of dominating the season. And they're not. And it's hard to find out where. Because if you look at um, Kenzie, like she's basically the mayor of Yanu. Everybody wants to work with her. She has like strong alliance. She seems to have really good social skills. 
Um, she's one of the people that I was sort of watching out for when from the preview last season to now. Um, yeah, I really like her. I really like um, Banu. I was sort of worried for Banu at the beginning just because of like preseason stuff where he was like so um, high on Jeff's supply as far as like the way to play the game and everything like that. I was like, Jeff's never played the game. Like he's just watched the game the same amount of times that we all have. Um, but he, I really like him now. There's no one other than Jolinski that I really didn't like. Um, really big on Tiffany as well. So I really like, I really like the dynamics in the tribe. I hope that how this episode ended out really kind of bonds them and gives them that push. Yeah. We'll see about that. They definitely, they just stood out to me as like, it was six very different people. Yeah. All like, it was the actual definition of what survivor is trying to do. And like, and it was a good mixture where like, I'm interested to see how, how the different relationships play out because of it. And yeah, Banu was definitely a standout. He's, he's not, it's not high on Jeff's supply. It is high on survivor. Oh yeah. Though. And, and, uh, and I mean, his background was fascinating and definitely you could tell the comfort level and we get the backstory on him of like, you know, I, the first 18 years of my life were in like a mud floored hut in rural India. And so like, I'm good with this. Like this, this isn't that part of this isn't very challenging to me or should be an advantage to me, but he clearly is like a true, I think there's a different level of super fandom when it's like, you know, he's, eventually now has emigrated to the States and become a citizen. And like, this was hit the cultural export of like, it wasn't just, I love survivor. It was also like survivor. I'm guessing is one of the maybe few things about the United States or our culture that he was indulging in. And so it even more takes this outsized thing to him of like, it was one thing to be like, I got my citizenship and I live here now and amazing. Now I'm freaking on survivor though. And like, that was the thing that was like, this whole other world to me that now I'm like suddenly here or whatever, but yeah, he's mouthing in the background. I think ah, it's when so they good. go to the first challenge and Jeff, whatever he says is like, you know, standard what he says in that moment. And they show Banu literally mouthing the words as Jeff says them, which he did begin at tribal catches and asks him about at some point or yeah, it was tribal council. Yeah. yeah. Light your torches or whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited for the moment. Jeff realizes that because I'm sure it'll happen again. And it's like Banu, uh, do you want to say I, I Jeff's definitely going to be like, would you like to say the, whatever the neck, the phrases or whatever. Um, so I loved him and you referenced Kenzie being the mayor. She definitely, yeah, she goes around. We get the, she makes a promise with every single person there, um, which starts with Jelensky. And I was, I was immediately like, okay, I was not, not a good start for you, uh, Kenzie, but she rounds it out by making a deal with everyone except for Jess Yes. Uh, who she doesn't connect with. And then she literally just immediately goes and talks shit about Jess and not connecting with her, which helps her connect even more with Tiffany. Um, she's definitely the mayor and she definitely is the one kind of immediately they, they make the little four person group um, that obviously already has lost one of their members, but with the other three being totally into it and kind of seamlessly adding Banu and Zelensky. Yeah. I keep wanting to call him Zelensky. And I typed his name 
<laughs> I typed 17 versions of his name in my notes during this episode. Uh, so I'm probably going to call him 17 versions of it too. So I apologize um, to him because he's a, a fine, a fine man who doesn't deserve his name to be butchered by me. <laughs> um, but yeah, what do you think about Kenzie is, is coming out strong and you reference, you know, great social game. I do think, and it's, I'm going to make a note to remember this in the future. She's a salon owner though super a job that it requires i always get nervous when i like go to get my haircut of like i literally get nervous of like what am i gonna talk about for the next 30 minutes here with this person and then i always have the thought of like it is so impressive that you all day long have you know like my uh stylist she probably has i don't know 400 people who are her like regular clients that she like knows how to have a like positive interaction with and like gets through the small talk she always finds a way we have an interesting fun talk and everything so that's just an incredible skill set to have in a world like survivor and i need to remember that in the future if there's other other people who come in with a similar background that that's got to be such an advantage yeah she actually reminds me of one of my co-hosts on the fandom podcast uh katie and she initially reminded me of katie just like personality wise and then she's also a salon owner and i was like oh there, there are even more connections to katie now than there were before um but like totally same vibe totally same energy and like katie could carry on a conversation with rock and it would be an interesting conversation <laughs> love that and Kenzie, while she makes friends with basically everyone, her best friend that she eventually makes is Tiff, um, Tiffany, but they all start calling her Tiff. So I feel uh, that we're allowed to be friendly as well and also call her Tiff. Um, but, uh, and also for, if anyone's willing to shorten their name, it's getting shortened in my notes. Cause I, I don't type very fast and I tried to keep up without pausing the episode too many times. Um, so Tiff and Kenzie find they all, everyone on this tribe pretty openly decides they're all allowed to look for idols, which I always appreciate that everyone could be open and just be like, what if we all do it together? Okay, great. Um, but Tiff finds one, tells Kenzie immediately, they find the beware advantage and they go on the eventual journey that would, that ends after the, uh, the, the challenge. But what did you think about this new version of the beware advantage? And was it, where does it stack up for you as far as like, you know, we've talked, we talked last season about like, I think we both said we wouldn't do beware advantages because they had been so difficult for in the last handful of seasons. They've always been like the very difficult to pull off and kind of surprising when people have pulled off uh, doing it. Um, this one didn't seem nearly as difficult to me. What did you think? It didn't seem nearly as difficult, but whenever you find something, you always run somewhere to like look at it in private. So she found it, ran from where it was, read the thing, which says you have to go back to where it was and dig underneath it. So if you forget where you just grabbed the note from, or like if you just ran full tilt out into the woods to try to get away from it and weren't really paying attention to where you were going, just trying to be away from everyone, you could potentially have a note to a clue that you no longer know where it is. Um, the other thing is because you only get the next part of the clue, um, and I did sort of like that where you only get the next part of the clue if you lose and you have to go to tribal. I liked that element of it where you have to return to the scene of the crime again. However, you're then trying to figure out whatever this clue is. And in my mind, I was like, I swear if she gets a, 
idol in a thing of wax again. And like, she has to try to figure it out before tribal, but it was, I think it was modified so that you could conceivably complete it in that stretch of time. Cause generally speaking, I think D said like, usually it's three or four hours sometimes before you go to tribal. Um, so it was something she could complete within that time. But that's also the time that you're trying to make sure that it's not you. You're trying to talk with your alliance to see who you're voting out. And you're trying to not be gone for a really long time because that's when people are going to notice that you're looking for an idol. So you have to balance that and try to be there and try to be present in the conversations, but also go and find this thing and then do whatever it says to do. Um, I would I would also like to note that one of the reasons that I really like Tiffany preseason is she called people out for sharing um, idols and information when they find advantages. And she was like, that's fucking stupid. Why would you do that? And she, she was like, if I find anything, I'm not telling anyone. And if somebody else wants to tell me something, fine. I will use that to gain trust with other people against them. And then as soon as she found it, like seconds later, she's like, Kenzie, I found it. Let's go. And it was just interesting to see how you can plan for something and you can have so much of a plan that you know exactly what you're going to do. And it all falls completely by the wayside when it happens in the moment. Um, D said that Austin and Drew actually took them a couple of days before they actually told uh, Mama J and D that they were looking for the idol when they got caught, but they had been looking for a couple of days prior. And D said, like, at this point in the game where it's so early, like, you should take it yourself, see if you can do it. And if you can't do it, that's when you rope in somebody else. But she was like, immediately, Kenzie, let's go. So it was yeah. just, it was interesting. Yeah, I think that's sound advice from D too. Of like, the moment you realize you can't do it is when like get as many people involved as possible. Then because then you all kind of have to deal with uh, the fact that one of you can't do it or feel some responsibility in it. Uh, you you convinced me. I definitely was like a little during the episode <laughs> like this is too easy, but I hadn't thought that. I think it is actually as you laid it out there was really smart of them to make it be a. You can't start on this until you're in the situation and then there is a clear timetable and the difficulty is that you have to do this thing in the hours, the couple of hours when everyone is expecting you to be around, everyone to be around having the conversation and everything. So I hadn't really thought about that. So it, it, the difficulty, it's more now, now my thought was like, did the rest of the tribe really not notice? Uh, Cause it did. <laughs> she was gone. It, she was gone for a while and she did like run off down the beach on her own. Um, but I did the only part I did think of in the moment is same as you is like the moment she's like, you have to dig where you found this. I was like, Oh dude, she's not going to remember. Like she, it was just in the middle of nowhere and she ran away from it. Like, uh, so that is, that's very smart. So good job. Production team really nailed that one, I think. And um, obviously they eventually do, you know, she does get the, uh, the idol and, she I found that clue out fast. Like, yeah, that was impressive. It was, and I'm glad she got the as, as which is the best strategy, and it just happens also have worked out in this one. But like, be like, all right, the three. If you're doing like a word scramble thing, symbols to letters, three letter words, just guess. And she does immediately like this middle three letter word has to be the. So like T H E boom. Where else can I see some T H E's? And like that's your good starting point, and it works out. And if it doesn't, like come up with your other three letter words, but typically, you know, really sound. But yeah, it seemed like she actually straight up, like wasn't kidding in her confessional when she was like, I just looked at it and it just kind of came to me and I figured it out. Like it wasn't, it didn't take long at all. 
Um, so huge, huge benefit. I think she was right though. I, it would be hard not to tell a single person, it, which is, you know, part of the, you know, devious part of how this game is built is that it's hard not to tell one person and it's hard for that person not to use weaponize that information. But I think she was right to like have a co-conspirator, whether Kenzie was the right pick, given what we already immediately knew of like Kenzie's kind of everyone's friend right off the start. So maybe she isn't, but it is also the reason why she is the pick for Tiffany in that situation. So that's Yanu for now. We will come back to them later. Let's move to one of our other two new tribes. We'll go with Nami second. Nami or Nami? Nami? Nami. Nami, yeah. Um, which I think of the three tribes, they probably had the second most screen time and to me had the second most uh, kind of vibrant, immediate storylines and yes. interest. Let's... Let's start with, I mean, she's too awesome not to start with. I don't know if you heard, but Liz is pretty awesome and had a pretty horrible initial <laughs> interaction. Uh, at least I, I found it to be pretty horrible. What yeah. did you think about Liz? The first thing she says to everyone is they're all exchanging names, a little bit of background info. She leads with, I have four businesses. Well, actually, I sold two of them. Yeah, pretty awesome. And that's yeah. that's like it. And it's received as, as I as yeah. I received it of like everyone being like, okay, cool. Yep. <laughs> um I so Liz and Mariah look very similar. Um, I got them confused for sure. Yeah. Um going into it, and I actually sent Mariah a message on Instagram that to to apologize for making a very poor assumption of her based on one answer. Um, she said when the question came out of like, what, what question, uh, what survivor player do you like, would you play like, she said, Nick Wilson and just like present day, Nick Wilson, um, with legislations and things like that as government, um, not a great person to associate your game with. So I was like, oh, I don't like Mariah. And then Liz, I was like, okay, she's quirky. She's fun. Like she's the one that I'm going to vibe with. And immediately I was like, oh, Mariah is actually the one that I really vibe with. And if there's a person on this show that I can relate to on a personal level, it is 100% Mariah and I want her to win. So I sent her a message like, I'm really sorry. I made a really bad judgment call on you based on one question and you're actually fantastic. Um, but yeah, Liz, like I, I almost feel like when she said I'm awesome, I wasn't sure whether she was trying to def realize what she had said and then tried to deflect it with a joke or whether it was a matter of like something just like really flippant. And that's just sort of the personality. Um, but it was a bad look. And like Tevin picked up on it immediately how you should. And she also said in preseason that she was more interested in the experience than winning. And I think that's a good way to make sure that it's all experience and not winning. Yeah. I mean, that's something it's nice to say, but hopefully yeah. you actually don't really mean it uh, when you're out on the island uh, as far as, I mean, if you do great, I hope you have a fantastic experience and get what you're looking for out of it. But yeah. yes, as far as you having any chance of winning or even really going all that far, I think having that mindset, you're going to be pretty quick. It's going to get sniffed out quick. It, it always, th that moment could have been some really great editing to make it look as bad oh, yeah. as possible or as yeah. cringy as possible, certainly, but uh, it still exists. And whatever version of it was the real one 
was some level of bad and cringy. Just maybe it wasn't like a 10 out of 10 the way it was then edited and given to us, but it was at least like a six or seven at best (laughs) on those scales. Um, This tribe then also is the one that, you know, they won the first challenge. They'll eventually win the second one, but they have their supplies and they get to work right away building. They have two camp counselors, which is very helpful in this. Even if they don't know how to build anything, they, they kind of know how to like, let's do activities while we are also trying to have fun and and meet each other. How big of an advantage do you think the supplies are day one? Cause I found myself thinking about that more than I would have in the past of like, it's just so amazing that they get, they get the supplies and it just has to be such a big boost for the first handful of days. That's the thing. Like if you look at um, like Ben was cracking coconuts on a log and just like beaning them off of it, they can actually open coconuts properly. They can cut coconuts and they can cook coconuts and they can get their palm fronds. They can get everything by cutting it down versus having to like strong arm it. And just the morale boost that comes with that. And strangely enough, like I was a camp counselor. I'm with Hunter. Like the worst part about being a camp counselor was the songs, but I 100% understand their use and their necessity in a situation like this. And the fact that they have camp counselors who can start fires, like they, they are positioned despite the fact that like, I was kind of worried about how they would perform just with like such a different group of personalities, but they're doing incredibly well. Um, It's such a huge advantage to have those supplies right out of the gate. Yeah. And just the, I don't know, just thinking about like how much easier it is to get to like know each other and to build a like decent camaraderie when it's like, we all know what we should be doing right now. Like Mm -hmm. we know because we have these things, we know, okay, like palm fronds and branches and like build a shelter and start a fire. And we like kind of have our day set for us versus the, like, it's just so much different when you're sitting around like, all right, so who's got an idea of like, can anyone build fire from scratch? Does anyone have an idea without the supplies, what to do? And there's just like a little more uncertainty that then also just changes the dynamics of like, do we get to know each other? Well, how do we, you know, whatever, like there's just set stuff. It's like you two go get palm fronts. Now you two can have a conversation. It's like kind of built in. So I just, I don't know. I was thinking about it more than I have on past seasons of just, this is such an advantage that then trickles into like, you know, it's not the reason they win the first challenge or whatever, but like right. it certainly helps. And like, you know, that builds and builds to where you kind of like have such an advantage. Maybe we'll ask at the end, one of our predictions we'll make is like, which tribe gets the most people to the merge. Um, yeah. But like, I feel like the tribe that wins the opening challenge has a significant advantage of like getting four five, six of their people to the merge. Yeah. And I never, until you just mentioned it, I never really thought about it as when you have the supplies day one, it, your day is already built for you. So you're able to kind of paint by numbers and have those organic conversations because having your supplies is really like old school survivor where you just go in. And if you're a fan of the show, then you know what happens every single season. Whereas new school, when you don't have the stuff, you're then only looking at five seasons of history as to what you're supposed to do in that situation. And so much of it is focusing on how do we get around the fact that we don't have these, that you're not able to have the conversations of like the Nami tribe of Hunter being able to have the conversation about like, I'm introverted. I love how much energy you're all putting out. I can't match that. And like, that's like me, I'm an 
introverted extrovert I can be on when I need to be on. I'm on two podcasts that go out into the internet ether, but I'm also like, I need to recharge my batteries and I can't be at that level all the time. And I think that it's so interesting that we get to have those conversations with NAMI. And I feel that as a tribe, I know them better as people than I know Siga and Yanu. And it could very well be that like, they're able to have those conversations and they're not focusing on the very basic survival things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm with you similar. Like I'm a very even keeled person and yeah. don't have big, not the most expressive uh, on the high end or low end or anything. And so I very much appreciated Hunter being like, Tevin, you seem awesome. Love you not we're it's not that we don't vibe it's that that we just have a different energetic level that is our norm and yep. uh and so like get that out in the open and make sure that doesn't become something where it seems like there's tension when there's not or whatever um because soda and tevin were definitely both bringing the oh yeah bringing the energy all all out so i really appreciated hunter uh, you know, bringing, bringing that perspective and like, yes, someone notices this. It doesn't mean a good thing or a bad thing, but it does mean that there's differences here. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that they were able to, to talk about those. And then it was endearing too. Yeah. Hunter being that conversation about singing. And I was like, some people's jokes fall flat. My singing falls flat. So (laughs) I want you to teach me how to sing. And that ensures that I'll be here for a long time because it's going to take a while. And like that that moment, was why I watched the show. Like those little connections. And like, if you look at the cast as a whole, you're not putting Hunter and Tevin together right out of the gate, but they're now the Andy Griffith Alliance, which is amazing in and of itself. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was definitely one of my favorite moments of the episode for sure. And then the final thing with this tribe is we get, uh, we just get a classic, classic survivor uh conflict <laughs> brew up a classic reality competition show uh <laughs> conflict brew up where we've got venus and two things happen first tevin calls her a princess or references her being a princess mm-hmm. and she is not happy about that ever being spoken yes. or put out that like you know there could be a connotation that comes with that and you know people might perceive i don't want to be perceived in that way on this and so she she bristles uh bristles excuse me a little bit at that um although tevin was not not he, doing it in a he handled it really way. well like yeah. that could have blown up like not blown up but that could have like bubbled and he his response of don't ever let anyone refer to you as a princess be a bad thing um was just like a really good way to spin that and make it clear his intentions. Yeah. It was like positive And I, I like you, um, yeah. not, not, uh, target you or anything. However, uh, good old Randon yeah. name for me. Hadn't, hadn't heard that one. And I feel like it wasn't just me watching. Uh, and I respectfully, I don't name, you know, it's weird to talk about people's names or whatever, but I do feel like a couple of his cast members kind of slipped the B in there the first time or two that they referenced him, um, which is, you know, I uh, have, I've had a lot of Brandon's in my life. We've had a lot of Brandon's on this show. Um, yep. And so it's kind of natural to do, but Randon decides that uh, he catches Venus looking for idols and whatnot, which, um, and you know, she, she is looking for idols. So he catches her pretty red handed doing that and decides that she is Parvati light. And I forget if he, does he say that in a confessional or to 
He says it to Soda, and she <laughs> then tells Venus that he said it, right? Yep. Yeah, I initially thought it was a confessional, but it was a confessional that morphed into the conversation with Tiffany, where he actually said, like, I know a poverty light when I see a poverty light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, she then Soda goes and tells Venus that. And then Venus has one great confessional of, like, don't I forget how she words it, but like just because it's true doesn't mean you have to like say it or whatever. Yeah. She's like, you caught me, but like you don't have to tell everyone else, and I'm still pissed about it. And don't you dare come targeting me. But we get kind of the classic, like the very good looking young girl, and then yeah. the kind of older guy that's immediately kind of just threatened by like, I don't want the good looking young girl around. Now we only have very limited evidence, so maybe that is not exactly the way uh that thought patterns are going there but it is kind of what having seen that happen on this show many times before is kind of what uh, my thought patterns yeah. go to outside of like yeah Randon doesn't totally love the the pretty younger girl on the tribe um and it's like that's a threat to me and for some reason or another and so um but he, he he does at least back it up with the like again like the we actually talked before we started recording of mm-hmm. you know uh it does mean something if someone's like i can see her being a poverty like yep. player that it mean another word, term for that is a very big threat in the game yes we're referencing that she could be like one of the better players in the history of the game so i do i i get that he's like maybe she could fill that role and that would be a threat to all of us but you're you guys have won you just won and even if you're having those feelings or whatnot i guess he only shared it with one person but read the room a little bit uh no one is like excommunicating anyone else from the group like i just wouldn't share any of those types of feelings yet if i'm the group that is one and everything's going well and it's day one or two like i'm not sharing even if i'm having I'm a little nervous about this person. Like I haven't locked in that. Soda's not going to go tell everyone else or whatever. Yeah. Like what, you know, you haven't locked in that relationship to share any negative feelings yet. So I would just keep anything negative, anything threat to myself until the time where it's actually necessary to have to start taking some risk and talking about those things. Yeah. I actually just realized that. So Tevin called Venus a princess. And then Liz sort of like reiterated that and she took that as a negative, but they both meant it as a positive. And then Randon called her Parvati Light, which then in the trend, in the game of telephone, it just became like Parvati um, rather than Parvati Light. And in her confessional, she's like, that's a compliment. So she took the compliment as an insult and she took the insult as a compliment or not even insult, but like the assessment as a compliment. The, the negative in that like i'm calling you a threat and that's yeah. not good for your game so yeah not an insult but yeah the negative thing into a positive and the positive yeah. into a negative yes um, and also uh soda has like my favorite thing where she refers to her like vibes of people and her gut instinct as her sodar um <laughs> which i am all for uh i liked it but had that feeling of I'm going to like this the first time or two, and then I'm probably going to, it's, it's, I, I have a, a low, what my tolerance for cheesy is that I really love it in the initial, <laughs> but that it can wear, it can wear out pretty quickly for me. So we will see where her and her Sodar go with me, but yes, I did get a good chuckle this time and we'll see if it remains um, chuckles. Every it's time. a part of her life. Uh, she referenced her Sodar in preseason. So that is, that is something we will, have to look forward to 
Okay, wonderful. Well, I like I like that tribe. Uh, I feel I feel good about that tribe and that we're going to get a lot of good entertainment. So now let's move to our third and final of the three new tribes. So last but not least, we have Siga or Siga. I think Siga because um, Ben referred to the tribe as flock of Sigas um, rather than flock of seagulls. Um, Siga. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Either way, Siga, Siga, uh, their tribe is, I will just open with, uh, was the one I was least interested in. Now we definitely got the least amount of, I think the least amount of, they spread the time pretty, pretty evenly amongst the tribes up until the point of obviously the, the last 25% of the episodes, only the one tribe that lost, but I think they um, weren't together enough as like a six. So that we were only getting little bits and pieces of the different people. For sure. And we'll start with Ben, the musician, um, who says the word, I, I forget who it was, an, maybe another cast member or someone uh, with a decent media profile in the Survivor world uh, tweeted out that they like needed a, a counter of how many times vibes was said um, amongst and this rock. tribe or just how many times Ben himself said the word vibe or vibes. Uh, and I agreed with that sentiment. I was like, <laughs> dude. You you saying vibes this much is making my vibes not great. Uh, <laughs> I am vibing with you less and less every time you say that you're the vibe gods or like you're the vibe tribe or this that and the other. Um, so he was he was maybe the only maybe one of the few people of the episode that I was kind of initially like not loving uh, necessarily. What what were your thoughts of him and his? He had a pretty aggressive approach i would say as far as like very and again as always could just be edited and what they show us but like of being the guy who is trying to create the super positive super like let's all meet each other let's have fun vibe around camp he came off a little aggressive in it to me um and i definitely was just my vibes lowered and lowered as i said i was worried about him preseason just because like he really leaned into like that sort of I'm going to say it, that sort of vibe. Um, We'll get our own vibe counter in the bottom. Yeah. yeah. But like the more that it went on, I did, I did like him because you could tell that it's genuine. Like, it's not like it's, it's, I'm doing this so that people will like me. It's very much just like, this is how I am. Cause if you look at it, when they were doing the savvy, he looked over, he's like, yeah, I can rock with this. And then like, that whole mentality and just the way that he is, you can tell is so baked in that like he's, he, he's not putting it on. Um, it's authentic for sure. Yeah. And for that, like I have to give him props. Um, I don't mind it. I can see how others would, um, I can see how it could get grading on the rest of the tribe come like day 20. Um, or people that he hasn't like if they merge and he's still here, I don't know how the rest of the tribes will take to his energy where they haven't been living with it. Mm-hmm. There could be a little Bruce last season potential there of like uh, you're being your authentic self and everything. And like, it was fantastic, but it just maybe is the wrong. You could end up around the wrong group of people to yeah. not vibe well with uh, your, your insistence on the vibe tribe. Um, and in the other, the thing that stood out is, I did see a kind of potentially poor match for him as far as who he's going to potentially need, because we see 
this tribe, the three women, Jem, yeah. Maria, and Mariah, which did they really Holy. have to put Maria and Mariah on the same? I just like, realized that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, come on, Survivor. You do you do this on purpose. You laugh when you do things like that. I know, I know that they do. Someone laughs somewhere yeah. of like, oh yeah, people that talk about the show are gonna have to separate <laughs> Maria and Mariah. It's um, like yes and Wes on All Stars. Yeah, exa- yeah, it's just like, oh, come on. Well, at least there you're not putting them on tribes or whatever. But uh, the three women slowly but surely kind of come together, start yep. to form a little bond, talk out loud about like we should maybe do a female alliance. They eventually then also decide, you know, have the conversation of if we do this, we do need one of the guys. So like who, which of them can we bring in, which leads to like, Charlie is the obvious mark here. Like, come on, like this guy will be into it. He is. They, I don't think they say it to his face, but they reference like Charlie's Angels. Oh my God, what a perfect name for us. Um, which is just great. And Second I love classic it. Classic television reference. Yeah. And, but that leads to why I think like Ben might ultimately struggle because that leads to like the way it's initially being set up is like Ben is going to be really reliant on Tim. And Tim and Ben are going to have to be maybe a thing if the women actually do stick to the early idea here. And Ben and Tim don't seem like two guys that are going to get along if they have to like suddenly be like, hey, it's us against them. We got to figure something out. And Tim, especially, who I have to mention right from the start, Tim has a wife and a grandmother. Both um, types of women. Both who are female and are women that he has experienced life with in some way uh so he knows he knows women pretty well because of that (laughs) and uh he to his credit does i mean he's a little blunt about it but he sniffs out the whole the women might be getting together and is a little too eager and too quick to be like it should be men versus women um even if he is correct that the women are openly talking about a, a women alliance, but he seems pretty eager to do the, like it's us versus them guys. And we gotta, we have to take out the women. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's something. I love that. He said that like women generally run the game. And then somebody on Twitter took that caption and then posted the first four boots of the last two seasons. And it's four women and four women. Yeah, I think if history tells us anything on this show, one, obviously, yes, there is a a preponderance of women getting voted out early, if not throughout the entire game, but certainly the early sections of the game, it happens more often than not. And then I will also say, well, and this is more my challenge historian coming in, and I don't have as deep of a reservoir to go off of on Survivor, but uh, I think it is somewhat true, is the, there is a tendency for the women to screw up a little more or to not pull off the like, if we're going to do gender alliances here to like stick to it as much as the guys uh, do. And that certainly has played out in the world of the challenge where it's like, there's a lot of faults here as far as how the two sexes are being treated uh, inside, outside the show, everything else. But there is also a history of like the women when given the opportunity, don't always get their shit together. And the guys are a little more laissez-faire and like, well, I guess this works. Um, and so, yeah, both of those things can be true. Yeah. Um, I think with, I think with survivor a lot too, I think that the threat of a female alliance is referenced more frequently than there are actually female alliances to the point where <laughs> there's usually one guy per season. who's like, there's a girl alliance. We got, we got to get rid of this. They're going to take us all out. Um, But then what happens is 
by necessity, the women are all forced to work together because they're being like, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The girls, the guys are like, we need to get out the girls because they're going to make an alliance and they're going to get rid of all of us. And then out of necessity, the girls are like, the guys don't want to work with us because they think that we're all teaming up. So we have to team up whether we all get along or not, or whether we are the best members of an alliance or not personality wise. Um, it's so it's real. It's like, it's so weird because I guess it goes back to poverty. You've got the black widow Alliance that like really was formidable. And now everyone's just scared. <laughs> yeah. And I think it is, I mean, it's one of the weird, the things this show and these games deal with of like the whole point is this contradiction of like, anyone should be able to, you know, be friends and work with anyone else. And we're all from different walks of life. And we're putting you in here, but also at the same time, while we're trying to kind of have some progressive values on that front, the game is designed in a way where like, you've got to grasp at something. And what is our at many times, not good, but natural instinct of like, I could grasp at this. Okay. The word, the other men on the tribe or the other women, like, okay, I've got nothing to grasp on. So like, I'll grasp on that. That can be the reason why we work together, whatever. And it builds that contradiction, which makes for interesting uh, storylines and storytelling and uh, most uh, more often entertainment, sometimes not, not, you know, not great stuff, but is the kind of interesting entertaining experiment that they run every single season. And on this particular tribe, I just, I don't know. It, initial reviews are the women do <laughs> seem to get along and, uh, and, I, I think if Charlie reads the room correctly, we'll be pretty quick to be like, yeah, Ben and Tim, uh, not, not as interested <laughs> as I would be with these other three. And the four of us can kind of run, run this tribe and you guys can be over there on the side, but uh, we will see. Cause again, we got the, probably the least from, from this tribe in this episode. So we'll see if we got, we get some more in the episodes to come, but for now let's uh, move on and discuss journey and challenge. I will hang on for just one second. So also, if they're screaming upstairs, that is Malcolm being mad that Aubrey has taken something of his. Um, I can hear it. Okay, good. I can hear it. And I'm just like, I know exactly what's happening. I don't need to be there. I don't even need to make out what's being said. I know exactly what's going down. Um, I also really like Charlie. I like that Charlie's mentality of I come from a small town. I don't have the exposure that this show can give me. I am looking forward to bursting my bubble and expanding my understanding and getting to know other people's stories. And then also his conversation about how like every job that I've had, I've had female bosses. I like working with women. I appreciate their perspective. Like I, I am very happy with this Alliance and I hope that those two things really stand out to people and give people a better understanding of their own situations because it was it wasn't like focused on or anything like that but it was so important and so interesting that it came from the guy who went to Harvard who normally you would be like this guy's going to be annoying but instead he's like this super cool guy he's a total swifty so I can I can get on with that but then also like he has this mentality of this is going to make me a more well-rounded person and that's fantastic like you don't see enough of that or you don't see enough of it mentioned. And I, it was one of the things that I wanted to make sure I pointed out because it's so cool to see on the show. 
right there with you and definitely uh from a very small non-diverse town myself uh had a similar kind of experience at i don't know how old is charlie uh he's 25 so like straight out of i know he's still listed as law student so maybe he hasn't graduated yet i mean law school takes about 25 you'd be right around maybe the age of graduation but yeah so having had a similar experience myself of small non-diverse little town grow up in go to a college that is also not the most diverse for still being a large university with a lot of people so um and then eventually getting out into the actual real world and big city and everything and uh yeah and being open and wanting those new experiences and to learn more about what I was maybe missing or not getting to see or hear about as much in the places it came from definitely resonated. And I thought he had, he had the best vibe of the vibe tribe. I would say Charlie had the best vibe for me. Uh, I also really like gem, but I feel like we basically didn't meet gem. So it was like your one confessional and just kind of smiling at everyone else. I was like, she seems nice. Um, so we'll see if we get, she and Mariah were the two that kind of got the least, I would say, uh, screen. Mariah time got that one time. solid one where she yeah. like, and I also listened to a thing that survivor posted with Mariah. So I don't remember. I now don't remember whether it was her confessional or like the little bio that I'd saw, but either way, like Mariah and Charlie are sort of my standouts on this tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. So that's the three tribes. Let's now move on and discuss what happened in the midst of these first two days, which is the opening journey. So we get a journey as would be expected right off the start. They get to pick who goes and uh, Jelensky and his tribe is like adamant. It's got to be him. And they kind of all relent and allow that to happen. Uh, I think one of the tribes we see them play some rock, paper, scissors, and Maria beats Mariah for the honor of going. And then in the other one, they rolled, they rolled, did they say they rolled a they shot? They rolled a shot in the dark. And Marianne, Marianne tweeted, it's the first time in six seasons that the shot in the dark has actually been used as a die, which I found hilarious because they give them a dice or a die that they have to use for their shot in the dark. And then they don't roll it, they put it in a box. And then they yeah, take it and, the, and the, the dice has all of their names on it. That's how it works. Uh, symbols. I think they all uh, assign themselves a symbol. Okay. On Got it. it. Okay. Yeah. But Tevin wins that. So we get yeah. Tevin, Maria, and Jelensky go on this, and they play a new to me game. Has this game or some version of this been used before? It may have been used before, but not in like a really long time. If it has, it reminds me there's a show called eight out of 10 cats does countdown. And it's one of my favorite panel shows in the UK. And they did a, they did a game called, is there a carrot in the box? And two people had boxes. The person who was guessing wasn't allowed to open their box and the other person was. And if they had the carrot, their goal was to keep the box with the carrot. So they had to like convince them that either they wanted to keep the box they had or they wanted to take the box that they've got. And that's like, that's my frame of reference for it. It worked better on the UK panel show um, twice. Yeah. That setup sounds more where both people are incentivized to like for the same outcome. This one, they're not necessarily. And yeah, cause they're just like not incentivized to, cause and as much as Jelinski doesn't, handle it super well um and we can discuss how he then tells uh his tribe and how his just kind of attitude towards it but it is set up for what happens to happen of like 
all right, one of you two has to lie to the third per the judge person, in this case, Maria, and the other one gets to tell the truth. And the goal, two thirds of you want the truth to come out and the judge wants the truth to come out. And so it really does put the person in this case, Chalinski in like a horrible spot of I've either got to one, I've got to be, I've got to actually do the convincing acting. And it sucks for him that he has to do that versus the actor who gets to be honest, which I love Tevin's uh, confessional in this moment of like, I act. And now you're telling me I have to tell the truth and just be honest. That's the easiest acting job ever. Like, like it is. And so Jelinski's in a horrible position, but I didn't love the setup of the game that it was like that version you just explained is actually made where like, the incentive structure is the same for everyone and equal. And this one is not where it's like, yeah, I either have to be so convincing and screw you over and then have the two of you mad at me. And then by virtue, your entire tribe's mad at me, maybe down the road and emerge. And, and then my tribe also in that situation, not be thrilled that I like have an extra vote. And now I do have an advantage or I have to give it up to like, let you guys win and my tribe's going to probably be upset at me at that. And I'm going to be at a disadvantage, even if they're not upset, because I don't have a vote. It's just a horrible spot. So I feel like I didn't love the design of the game because I don't love one per. It worked out that it was this was the perfect person to screw over because um, he would have found a way to screw himself over anyways, it seems. <laughs> but I didn't Maria love that it felt him. like he got screwed over by drawing that card. <clears throat> he did, but like. Maria gamed him so hard. It she that's one of my best moments of the episode is when she said, "If you lie and I lose my vote, when I go back to my tribe, I am telling every single member of my tribe that you that you lied and that you are not to be trusted." So, it no longer is a matter of for Jelinski of if I lose, I lose my vote. It becomes if I win, I am still disadvantaged for the back half of the game if I get there. Yeah, which, yeah, fantastic job by her. But again, just feels stone cold. Feels unfair to put one person in that position. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it, it worked out as well as it possibly could have for them. And then all three or for production, I mean, as far as like, mm. who, if, if, you know, we don't we're not going to feel as bad. Like if the roles are reversed and Tevin gets like screwed over and everyone's like, wait a minute, we really love Tevin out the gate here. And then we feel like just a random production thing completely screwed him or gave him a huge disadvantage. I think people would be upset about it. So it worked out as best possible for production. Everyone goes back to the beach. Everyone tells the truth immediately, uh, which seemed in this scenario for like to be the proper, probably the proper thing. Am I, is there more thought that needs to go into it than that or there didn't really mean like the only thing that they could really do is tell the truth. Cause it was so basic. Um, there's there. I don't think there was enough to it to make any other story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's still so early that it's like an extra vote is powerful. It's a little different than like an idol or something though. And when, when no alliances have been made and it's day, the morning of day two or the afternoon now of day two, it'd be pretty hard pressed to find a reason why not to just say I got an extra vote or I lost my vote. But again, Jelinski, his attitude about it and how he kind of answers the questions definitely could have been better as far as explaining, like, I'm in this hard spot. And then they uh, also good gameplay. I forget which of his tribes members, the one that does it. Maybe it was Kenzie 
uh maybe it was tiff i think it was maybe tiff that like presses him on like yeah so tiff. you basically put the like that you wanted a good relationship with the other 12 people over a good relationship with us which is the proper kind of way to press that person and keep knocking him down yeah um, and kenzie said like in her confessional she was like you all you had to do was lie to complete strangers like what the hell and and you could get away if you did get to emerge and someone brought it up you could be very easy of like yeah i'll explain to you what the situation was and you probably would have also done that, right? Like you would have put your tribe in that moment, you would have put your tribe over the other two and not thought about a merge on day two. And now we're at the merge and like, I, you know, whatever, like you can try to talk your way through that. And I think any other good player or player that's using decent logic would like see the reasoning and logic and not just be immediate. Can't trust this person. He doesn't like me. He doesn't like us. He's only going to be about his tribe. Like, no, I think that was, would have been the most beneficial thing for him as everyone out here is, we should be assuming is doing the thing most beneficial for them at any given time. So, uh, yeah, shitty position for him. I do feel bad about it, but, uh, he could have handled it much, much better. I wouldn't, I think I am not out of place by saying that this particular challenge and or this journey and the outcome that it is more detrimental to lose your vote than it is beneficial to get the extra vote. Certainly. And because you can very easily come back and be like, I got an extra vote. We can use it as a whole tribe when we hit the merge. Um, but the benefits for having an extra vote on day two, whatever, versus losing your vote on day two and losing it that way, way more, way more detrimental. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And I, I think we're both in agreement and, from last season and everything else of like, I'm all for advantages and I, I bristle much more at disadvantages. I don't, I don't necessarily love uh, you just randomly drew and got disadvantaged, but you know, uh, maybe, maybe after you literally quit the uh, savvy or sweat task that you demand, didn't demand, but wanted to do, maybe you don't literally demand uh, to be the one to go on the journey and uh, put yourself in that position again um, and then demand to be the puzzle person too. Uh, but anyways, yes, yeah, so that's the journey. And speaking of puzzles, let's talk immunity challenge. First questions first, does the gecko weigh 500 pounds? I don't think it actually weighs 500 pounds. I think it weighs uh, many hundreds and many very heavy, but 500 pounds sounded like a lot. And if I'm on the production staff, I don't want to be the one that has to move a 500 pound gecko into place to start this thing or afterwards or store it. So I don't think it weighs 500 pounds and I don't know why that mattered to me, but I just wanted to ask if you think it weighs 500 pounds or not. I think that it probably weighs close. I don't know if it weighs exactly 500 pounds, but like, I want to say this, I want to say the snake that they do in the, like with the water is like 200 pounds, but then you also have to factor in it's then soaking wet and it's going to add all that. So I think this is their offset because it's on land. Um, and I don't think we've ever seen like an on land version of take this big monstrosity and get it through obstacles. Yeah. Well, regardless, even if it's not 500 exactly, uh, it definitely is. Yeah. Super duper heavy and super hard to move. And the really, the only kind of question or comment i even had on the immunity challenge like uh orange win nami wins uh going away they they just smoke the other two teams um it's not really very close and it's mostly because the other two teams cannot get the gecko over the wall and 
two part question for you here. One is we've seen they've won two challenges. Is orange like a lot better than the others, or did they just happen to win the first two challenges? And also, have you do you ever remember it stuck out to me that Jeff told them what they were doing wrong in the moment? Cause as they were both struggling, he started telling that he said, I think twice, you're not gonna get it over pulling the head. Cause they had multiple people once he got tired of like just two people just hanging on the head on the other side and which literally is working against you actually getting anything over or whatever. And he, I don't remember him too often if ever like having to like, I need to kind of help. I need to start giving some hints here. Cause we seem we've had a, we've had a, we're standstill and it's two teams at a standstill. So it's not like fair or unfair to either one to like give the hint of like, Hey, pulling on the head, isn't going to work you need to lift the body over and stuff. Like you're getting yourself stuck. Um, that stood out to me that like, he was like, Oh, this isn't going so hot. Let's help him out. Yeah. It's, it's very rare that he gives very open hints, but sometimes he does it in such a way that like, they don't pick up on it. Um, and you probably a lot of Jeff out too. To yeah. Reckon. A like, lot of, I was going to say, or like, a, I don't, a lot of people <laughs> who have played have said that they just like absolutely tune Jeff out. Like Tyson especially says that like as soon as the challenge starts, he no longer like he doesn't listen to Jeff at all. He just does what he's there to do. Um, I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they just didn't listen. But I I think excuse me. I think that Nami is very well rounded. I initially thought that they were one of the like less physically dominant tribes, but I think that every component of their tribe works well together. And I think having those conversations and like, like you said, being able to have that structure to their day early on allowed them to really gel. And I think that even more than the physical element, just the understanding of one another and what you're able to do has resulted in them being like a far more formidable team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I do think it comes back to like, again, the having the supplies, this was also when I kept thinking of like, maybe that was a bigger advantage even than I think just from a, again, they've built some like teamwork skills in and camaraderie of like, we actually had the tasks to do. And so like we built a shelter and it came, it came out organically that like, we've got two camp counselors and they can kind of give direction and we're actually like all okay with them and everything else. And I don't remember explicitly in this, but like that the reason they got it over the wall and the other two teams didn't was like, they seem to have a clear, like you go here and do this, you go here and do this. And like, we worked together really well and had quality leadership. I think they said at the end, Jeff even called it out another one where I was like, uh, giving some opinions quickly here, but like that Venus was kind of in charge um, during the challenge and that they all were like cool with that and went in being like, you can kind of tell us what to do, which was like maybe the right pick too of like, this is super physical. If you're maybe don't have the strength uh, that some of the others do, you can be the one that maybe takes a step back and is less detrimental to like, let go of the thing, take a step back and tell us all where we should move or whatever. So yeah, they just had the best, the best teamwork, the best cohesion. And I think that does go back to winning the first one and having, having that set up and lead in. But the other two teams, eventually you finish yellow wins again or yellow geez, uh, orange Nami wins again, green Siga gets second by a decent margin in it, but it doesn't really come down to the puzzle. It does really come down to like, they get the gecko moving faster. And I don't really think Jess and Jelinski like 
Jelinski seemed a little out of it on the puzzle for sure. Um, but it, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, like they got to the puzzle at the same time and then one of you did it and the other failed. I think it pretty much this this challenge explicitly came down to moving the gecko and one team did it great and the other one found a way to do it a little quicker than the other one. Yeah, we also got the uh, right before the tr- the challenge started, um, Jelinski's definition of several and everybody like the facial expressions of everybody else on his tribe, followed by everybody else on the other tribes. Like when he said it, Hunter said to Tevin, no, it doesn't. And then he's like, it's in the name. And then they had a shot of Mariah being like, no, it's not um, like it was just bad all around. And he was so like adamant that several means seven. And like, that doesn't even, it doesn't even make sense in like the use of a word like several is because it's a smaller amount, not because it's almost 10. So like, I, I, I was baffled and like, like, as you know, my wife is a teacher. Um, and when it made me laugh because Sarah rarely talks shit, but when she does, it's always hilarious. Um, when he said it the first time, when he had his confessional, he's like, last time I checked several means seven, not four. And Sarah like, didn't even turn from the TV. She was just staring straight forward watching. And she just like half under her breath, half to me goes several means more than three. And <laughs> the fact that you're calling out someone on the TV makes it that much better. Yeah. Uh, and it obviously comes up again later. Cause he's, uh, something he really believes in for sure. Uh, he, he, he believes he was told this and uh this is this is something he's known his entire life and is just only now learning is very wrong and uh doesn't make sense how you ever got to that conclusion in the first place but they have lost and so they head back to the beach for the first official scramble and tribal council of the season at that beach uh Jelensky and Jess stick behind while the rest go to the watering hole they both seem to know that it's very clearly the two of them um, are going to be the only people discussed, which it's a pretty tough couple first days. If you get to day three in the first tribal council and it's so clearly, and everyone so clearly knows that like four of us have nothing to worry about. Not we, we didn't have an Alliance built or anything already, but like, we just all know four of us are going to consider these other two. And that's, that's the way it's going to be. I mean, those two have not had a good first couple of days. If you're in that boat, Jess is at least uh, knows it and is aware, but is like not doing something about it because she's having such issues and kind of getting, you know, overwhelmed and panicked about it. Jelinski is doing nothing about it because he, I guess, doesn't think that he needs to or just doesn't care to, but kind of thinks, yeah, it's between us, but it's going to be you. Um, so he's just chilling and it eventually comes down to like it is those two and you know q kind of leads the like i want it to be jelensky i can't like this guy quits and i just can't be around that and tiff wants it to be jess so what do you say about his his disposition in the whole thing and then the kind of back and forth that happens of like which one of these is the right one to get rid of here he has a confessional that says there's no stopping in the game of survivor and it's quickly um contrasted by him laying down um which I appreciated and just flat out says, are you, is this really what's best for your game? Like you're laying down right now and everybody else is elsewhere having a conversation. And then he laughed. Um, 
and then basically said it's between you and I, which seemed to be like, not that she wasn't aware, but it was what made her aware that she was the other option. Um, personally, I would take Jess 10 times over. Um, Jess is just struggling to get acclimated in that situation. But if you're cast on survivor, you're cast on survivor for a reason. Um, and it's rarely because you're going to do poorly. Um, it's your cast to be part of a compelling group of players and to see how you're able to survive and compete in this situation. So I think that Jess is absolutely the right one to keep. Um, I think that Jelinski has proven time and time again that perhaps right now Survivor is not the best option for him. He's a huge fan of the game. I could see him maybe like doing better in a couple of years from now, having learned from this experience. But right now, no dice, man. Like I don't care that he brings strength. He doesn't bring strength if he doesn't use it. Yeah. And I loved that in the debate over which of them they should take out. I loved that it was Q. That was the one uh, kind of in the two roles that Q and Tiff took on that. Like, I will just say with this cast it, in Q is the one standout athlete of yeah. the cast, you know, obviously not only that he like has a background in athletics, but like, is when you line them all up is the one that kind of clearly stands out as like, if we're talking just the physical strength, who's going to help with the gecko contest the yeah. most, like he stands out, but then he is the one in that role. That is the one that's like, I don't, you know, Tiffany's kind of arguing the, we should keep him just for like the physical strength and ability of the tribe. And he's the one that's like, I don't care about that. He quit on the the task that we did together. He kind of threw us under the bus on the journey. And he's just like, not a good, like he doesn't, it's not, he's not bringing value to the tribe or whatever. So I really liked that. It was like, Hey, we kind of have the one super athlete of the cast and he's the one that gets to play the, like, who cares about if she is small, like he's tall and maybe a little more strong that doesn't matter. Like who cares? He, he, she's a way bigger asset to the team. And he is like the opposite. He is bringing the team down. And uh, so I really like that. He was the one that kind of made that argument. And ultimately um, we don't totally know in that conversation, they leave, you know, us on the cliffhanger going to tribal. So we don't know where, maybe where their heads were actually at. If he convinced the other side or if Tiff's side kind of was convincing I think either way, Jelensky's tribal council performance, whether it was a hundred percent decided going in or not, would have would have made it hundred yeah. percent decided in the moment. Um, but yeah, so there's really not much else to cover without getting to the tribal council. So let's just uh, go ahead and go to the tribal council to discuss the rest of it. So those two then they take center stage and uh jeff um you know we we are well aware now by this point that he you know knows from the little pre-tribal interviews who to question who to kind of put in the hot seat and everything and he he definitely does here he knows there's no he has no business doing anything other than putting jess and jelensky back and forth and pretty aggressively like i yeah, think he there's like people have said there over was the kind past of like six that he's lost questions his edge. more or less asked or topics brought up by jeff during this tribal council and it was literally back and forth three and three of like jess let me put you in the hot seat okay jelinski let me put you in the hot seat okay <laughs> back to jess let's uh let's get back to you here and like he really goes back and forth and let's talk about jess first she's struggling as we referenced with uh you know she 
says how she uh, got her ADHD diagnosis as an adult, um, can uh, empathize with her there. Similar, same for me, Jess. So uh, I get some of it, although the experiences are widely different um, with, with any, anything like that, um, especially ADHD is, you know, kind of similar experiences and very dissimilar experiences for folks who have that. Um, But she is just, you know, not acclimating well, is very overwhelmed and is struggling to process anything and to then be able to, because she can't process, it leads to like, what we see here in tribal is kind of at its, uh, its most, um, prevalent but certainly we can imagine and we saw a little bit of on the beach too of like you're trying to have these quick conversations and so if the processing isn't happening and you're kind of not responding then like it's not the other people aren't being like bad or mean necessarily by taking this as like hey like i've got (laughs) to i'm gonna okay i guess we we don't have anything working i gotta get to the other people i gotta talk to the other people too so it's just leading to this very difficult situation for her and uh she is very open and vulnerable about it in the tribal council. She even says at one point she is at least able to verbalize, Jeff, I don't have an answer for you right now. Cause I can't, I don't want to talk and I can't talk right now. So like, sorry, that's your answer is that I don't have one and I can't talk right now. Uh, which I thought was really great from the, like, again, being vulnerable and like getting to see a person go through this struggle and thankfully not be on the receiving end of a torch snuff at the end of it. Um, but uh, what was also, you know, difficult to watch at times of like, man, I like feel bad. This is not, this is not setting up good for you. And this is a a difficult spot for your tribe members as well as you. And, you know, in one of those, you know, survivor conundrums of like, we're not being bad people, but this is not helping our tribe. And so we have to feel both ways about this. So what did you, what did you get out of, uh, of Jeff grilling Jess over her, complete panic attacks and social anxiety that she was experiencing and having to experience that with Jeff being like, so tell me about that social anxiety and overwhelm and panic attack that you're having. I, I think that it was a testament to what she had said because she said, I do better in smaller groups or smaller conversations than I do um, in front of people, which is very reflected in the fact that when Jeff is asking her direct questions, she is visibly flustered But then when she's responding to people from her own tribe, she's very quick. Like for everything that Jelinski said at Tribal, she had a counter argument very quickly and very succinctly. Like when he said that um, them, the other people having extra votes would benefit them later on, her immediate response was, how would that work to our advantage, them having extra votes? And like immediately and just deflated his argument. And I don't, I think that that, was probably what saved her um, in addition to how he performed, but also her saying like, I can't do well in like this scenario, but I can do better in this scenario. And she really did show that. And like she said, she was like, I worked really, really hard on the puzzle. Um, she, she said like, cause Jeff at one point said, Jelinski is trying really hard to put you in the same boat as him. She's like, I don't want to be in that boat. I tried really, really hard. I do not deserve to be in that boat. And I think that was a deciding factor. Like she, she did well when she needed to, but she was also visibly flustered. Yeah, they definitely, I think they came in thinking they were going to vote for Jelinski, but I think there could have been a version where like, if she 
wasn't able to have the moments of explaining herself or differentiating herself and going back at him like that, that there's a version where they could have in the moment been like, oh, okay, maybe you were right. And like kind of a wink or a nudge behind the scenes, but she solidified their probable position going in of like, she actually hasn't is an asset and is a person we want around. And he is not, um, yeah, I really, and although, and also the ruthless competitor in me would also be sitting there being like, so you could be really good at the individual stuff on the beach, but you're re you're really uncomfortable and not great in the moment at a tribal council. You sound exactly like the person I want to one work with to help, but then would love to sit next to you at the end. If you're, if you think in our evidence points to like, you maybe wouldn't handle a final tribal council fantastic uh 26 days in did, then i would have to feel really good for you that you did or whatever i don't know uh but like the competitor and me would be like i kind of want to be sitting next to you as much as possible because you can be very helpful and then if i need to you can be kind of a shield or seemingly unhelpful in this setting or whatever so um but yeah i was i was thinking that this may ultimately like help people be like i kind of want her around uh, uh if this is the dynamic we're gonna get jolinski though all-time bad performance. I mean, just, you know, the repetition. It wasn't even that it happened once that he said the, like, I don't want to quit. And Jeff or someone else got would be no like, quit and blah, blah, but blah. you did. It's yeah. that he, like, did it, like, three different times. Like, it took him a while to even admit. come back to in his brain was, oh, I don't want to, I don't quit. I'm not a quitter. And it's like, dude, we've covered this. You are. <laughs> yeah. We have several examples, and we have provided them. <laughs> and then we provided them again and i yeah. we will again if you want to bring this up again because it seems like the only thing that you bring up um maybe this is just i think i feel it's both partially that last season we had the two people quit up front um uh, but then also this most recent season of the challenge uh if people can remember five months ago when it started also started there was a string of like three or four times in a row where at the nominations on this recent season of the challenge, someone would literally dig themselves a hole for, and get voted in. And it'd be like, well, maybe they were going to do that already, but like you just all time bad performances in a, in a tribal council, like setting of like, you're not actually winning. You're hurting yourself. You're digging the hole yourself. So maybe it's just on my brain that this seems to be happening a lot recently, but this was like the greatest example ever of it, of like, they might've already dug that hole, but you just walked. If they did, you walked down in it and laid down and actually started moving the dirt on yourself. Like you, you, you gave them no other option, but to get rid of you because you just did the wrong thing. Every sentence out of your mouth. I appreciated at the very end of all of it. When Jeff was like, so Banu, it seems like you guys are going to be voting Jelinski tonight. Is that what I'm getting? And Bonnie sat there for a second. He goes, it's, time to vote <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i we did didn't mention um banu really the the moment at the end of the challenge too where they're the last team standing there and he jeff asks them the question and banu's like very very emotional immediately of like i can't believe that one of our dreams like has to because it, again it means so much to him that he only views it through his lens of like if everyone feels the same way I do and one of us has to be the one that goes home first, like just how crushing that is. Uh, and I feel like if, I've felt better for Banu at the end that like that seemed like a real emotional roller coaster for you. 
And thankfully you got the easiest answer to the end of this test that was really stressing you out of like, you, you don't have to feel that bad, dude. Like we can get through this first one and you can kind of get your sea legs under you of like, I do have to vote for people out here. Um, but yeah, so Jelinski, the legend Jelinski is gone. I, I don't believe him that he's never talked about himself in the third person until he came on survivor. That's, well, not only that, but I mean, he says he'd never done it. I, I think he meant to say like, you know, I didn't do this outside of survivor or whatever, but like you do, there's no way. There's I, I mean, no yeah, way. like I have, and like, I don't have the same mentality. Yeah. It just, uh, yeah. So goodbye to him. Um, it is nice to, you know, end the first, the first person vote out one. They didn't quit. They quit, mm -hmm. they quit things during they quit things. Just they not didn't the game. Quit the show, so that's good. Uh, better start than last season. But, uh, you know, if, if I was going to feel okay with losing anyone, I felt like we got everything we needed out of him. And uh, it was the first time. And I said this to Sarah, it was the first time in a very long time that I understood who was going home first and that I did not necessarily feel bad about it. It wasn't a matter of like this person had a raw deal and they just couldn't get their feet under them. I feel like this was how it was meant to go for this season. Um, I don't feel like, I was robbed of any more Jelinski. I would have felt bad if Jess went home because Jess didn't really get an opportunity to get her feet under. And I mean, she might go home next week. I don't know, but I think that it would be, it would have been more of an upset if Jess would have gone home and they would have kept Jelinski after the episode that he's had uh, versus Jelinski just going home and sort of completing that beginning, middle and end. Yeah, absolutely. So goodbye to him. And uh, let's now get out the hardware and hand out some awards. So we're going to do the same awards we did last season. We've got quote, favorite moment, best and worst gameplay, and an episode MVP. Let's kick things off with quote, which I know there was a bunch, um, but I really only have the, the, the quote that I liked the most, which I'll just go ahead and share and then see if you have other nominees or winners. Um, but I loved the moment of Charlie, who, by the way, Charlie is, he looks at the camera a lot, uh, which I also endeared me to him because it always blows me away how everyone seems to be like chill with the cameras or whatever. And like, I feel like if I was out there, I would also too like constantly like look directly at the camera and be like, yeah, that's there. Okay, cool. Um, but he has the, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh girl. Uh, like, <laughs> little moment. And I just like loved that moment that he had uh, after he was told that he was being offered a spot in the female alliance. I just really, really enjoyed that little moment. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple. One of, my, one of them comes from Jess right out of the gate, which was, I'm an identical twin. I've been competing for nutrients since I've been in the womb. That one was really good. Like that she's she's got a real for somebody who struggles in social situations she's really funny like she has really good lines a lot of the things that i kind of jotted down were from her throughout any other nominees <laughs> um another another jess actually which was if i found an idol i'd lose it anyway uh <laughs> which was great um and Q's response when Tiffany was like, but don't tell Jelinski and Q's response of, I'm not telling him anything of just like, that's when you knew you're like, he is so done with Jelinski in this game. 
Yeah, that um, four person alliance lasted all of about one minute. And <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, I would I'm gonna give it to Jess for the I'm an identical twin. I've been competing for nutrients since I've been in the womb. Yeah. Okay. Well, Charlie and Jess, good on you. First award. Also, shout out to Tevin, because again, the opening monologue was so good. Incredibly well done. Absolutely nailed that, but it's a little too long to call it quote. It was a full-blown monologue narrative. Um, as for favorite moment of the episode, uh, I'm a little a little torn. What do, what do you got for your favorite moments from the episode? We talked about a few. Is there any we we didn't discuss during our breakdown? Um I mean, just the contrast of Charlie and Ben's mentality going into that savvy puzzle was really, really interesting because you expected Charlie to be all over it. But in reality, it was Ben who was like all over it. And Charlie was along for the ride. And I wasn't not anticipating that. Um, And then just the like the creation of the Andy Griffith Alliance really endeared me to both Tevin and Hunter, um, especially the fade to black with the theme music. Yeah, that was really well done uh, by the editing crew. I liked both of those. Uh, and I do, yeah, I agree. Charlie, Charlie almost seemed like he didn't, he had, didn't really care if they, if they got the the task done once he's like, wait, you kind of took the leadership role. So I don't care if we get this done or not, really, if <laughs> yeah. you don't, then I can kind of, if I ever need to blame you, I could blame you because you kind of took the lead here. Um, I, I do think, the throwing of the hourglass was uh, uh, an interesting moment to say yeah. the least. It was definitely a, something I would remember from the episode. So I had that down um, for sure. And then, yeah, I had the Andy Griffith Alliance down. I had the opening monologue again from Tavin down that I really liked. Um, and I also had the reveal that Q has 17 siblings. Um, I know Sarah down. missed it when he said it. I have, I uh, had immediate questions of, uh, that I don't, I don't know if they're even appropriate questions out, but my immediate thought was like, I, I did want to know is from the same parents or not. And, or at times I've, uh, we, I've heard different people that like, I didn't want to assume like, did he potentially, was there a foster care situation or anything of that nature? But like, I've heard people in that situation and they obviously you know, refer to everyone as my siblings or whatever. And so it was like, is there a second shoe to drop or do you just have like, super duper mom like did is, did one woman have 17 children was my main question because that is just in the age difference was the other thing of like how what's the age range here i need to know it's one thing to know there you have 17 siblings i need to know where you fall because you have very different experiences like are you the oldest are you somewhere in the middle or are you one of the youngest um i, I just needed i adds a lot of questions that i'm sure we will eventually get answers to uh and then the the camp counselor uh, singing followed by Hunter being like, I'm also a camp counselor and I hate the songs. I really enjoyed that moment a lot. Um, yeah, I'd say, uh, I'd say Andy Griffith Alliance maybe gets, gets the win. I can't give Jelinski the win, even if it's the moment I think of the most. Uh, but, uh, that gif will probably exist for quite a while of him throwing, throwing the hourglass. So, um, all right. What about best or worst gameplay or both? If you had there, you know, there is, there's definitely game afoot, uh, in the early going here. Anything stand out as really good or bad gameplay for you? I mean, anything Jelinski did falls in the bad camp. Certainly. Um, yeah. Quitting repeatedly is not, not a good idea. Yep. Um, Liz, her misstep of owning four businesses and selling two of them, 
was pretty high up for like worst game move right out of the gate. Um, At least give the details to, or, or maybe don't, I don't know, but like Tevin, you know, takes it as like, so you've sold some businesses. Like he like says like, so she isn't here. I'm here for that money. And maybe she isn't or whatever. Um, But like there can be different versions of selling businesses. So on the off chance, like, you sold like the local mom and pop shop and it's like, Hey, I didn't sell my business for like a hundred million dollars or whatever. Like, don't think I'm some super uber duper rich person or whatever. Uh, maybe, maybe give some clarifying statements. If you are like, say that you lost it all. (laughs) Yeah. Or yeah. Just be like, I sold two businesses, got screwed. I had to sell them and I'm, I'm actually still in debt or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do something different. And then as far as like best game move, um, I'm giving it to Maria at the journey of just being like, look, if you lie to me and I lose my vote, I am telling every member of my tribe that you lied and you're not to be trusted in this game. Yeah, that's a good that's a good choice, because I don't I think that was maybe the most impactful or most like obvious moment of like an actual gameplay move being made, Um, because otherwise, yeah, it's all stuff that we don't have actual answers to that we can definitively say was very, very good. Um, and anything else, I think, you know, we, we don't know if like, would we could look back and be like, Hey, Tiffany and Kenzie trusting each other implicitly right at the beginning was amazing move. If they, you know, they go super long together or whatever, but we don't have, uh, evidence or answers to anything else. So I think that's definitely the best move. And yeah, I think Jill, it's, it's pretty, pretty cut dry that everything Jelinski does from quitting the sweat challenges early as they do. Again, if you do that three hours in, I get it. Uh, if it's truly like we have no chance here, but how he does that. And then his just entire disposition about I'm totally good. I don't need to make up for the fact that people clearly are not happy with how I've been performing or the effort level I'm putting forward. So worst game to him, best game to Maria, not Mariah. Didn't do it. Didn't get it wrong. I, as I started to say it, I panned over and looked. They're also just next to each other in the Survivor Wiki uh, that I have pulled up here, so it's just really difficult. Um, and then as for the episode MVP, I probably lean towards. I, I maybe lean towards Tevin, probably. And again, maybe I'm just being too swayed by the the him getting that opening monologue and delivering such a a wonderful opening to the season. Um, But, you know, Jelinski got the most screen time and the most, you know, we got his full story arc and everything, but it it wasn't the MVP type of bad story that even that I would give to. So uh, yeah, I think, you know, from the, the Yanu tribe, maybe, maybe Tiff, if anyone, but I think, I think it was probably Tevin for me. So, I'm going to give it to Q um, and reason being because so often you see the strong person talk about tribal strength and only mean strength. And Q was the one who kind of went against type. First off, he wasn't willing to quit the sweat challenge, but there's a thumbs up for you. Um, And then in addition to that, he like, he never quit anything in contrast to Jelinski who quit everything. But then he was able to turn his alliance against Jelinski based on tribal strength while discounting Jelinski's actual strength, which would be hard to do um, when you're just looking at Jess versus Jelinski in that situation. Um, But he was able to effectively turn the tribe without sowing distrust in him as an alliance member, which was big. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with that. And I definitely liked him a lot. So... 
I'm good with that. We can, we can have split MVPs first week in. And of course, especially in the first episode too, again, they did a really good job of dividing the time and trying to give us something from basically everyone and kind of giving us, uh, you know, I, I appreciated, we didn't bring it up, but like the two hour episode, I think is, I don't want two hour episodes the whole season. I think they said it's the first two episodes are going to be two hours and then 90 minutes after that. Um, I'm not positive. Yep. Yeah. So, but I, I appreciate the opening one. I thought they distributed the time very well. So it's kind of hard to have, you know, they purposely don't want any single person to be the standout. This is the only person you should care about, but hats off to those two. Those are two opening MVPs. And now let's finish things up talking a little kind of rankings and predictions. So we will eventually start giving power rankings along with some predictions or wishes here in the final segment of the show as we did last season, but it's a little too early to like, you know, actually doing a power ranking now is a little silly. And because we didn't do a preseason podcast, we haven't made winners picks. So let's start here first. Let's give our three favorites that we're going to root for. And then we'll, I've got one kind of prediction question, and then we'll also give our winner's picks here since we didn't do it before. And maybe having one episode worth of evidence gives us uh, you know, a, a slightly better shot at uh, actually making some, maybe not picking the winner, but picking someone who actually does at least good in the game and isn't gone immediately. Uh, so let's start with your favorites. If you had to just pick three from your initial react in, initial impressions, that are like the three you're rooting for, not necessarily that you think are going to be the best or whatever, but that you're immediately were like, I'm rooting for that person. I want them to do well. Who were your three kind of favorite standouts of the first episode? So Tevin is one, and I'm sure that he's on your list as well. Um, I would say just to keep it short and sweet, I'm going to go Tevin, Kenzie, and Mariah. Um, right on the outside of that is Charlie and Tiffany. I just had to pick three. so So that's where I went. Okay. I like that. And I think we discussed pretty much the reasons behind most of that. I, I also, you, I don't know if you purposely picked one from each tribe, but uh, I like that you did. And I, I was trying to purposely do that myself of kind of who's my favorite uh, yeah. on each tribe. I'm going to go with obviously, yes, Tevin is great, but I Venus on the Nami tribe and, and, Kind of random, but Gem on the Sega tribe. Uh, although maybe Maria, because we actually like got to see some interesting stuff. But for some reason, uh, I I liked that the one person that we didn't basically get to spend any time with. I was immediately like, I like you because of that. Uh, you seem nice, and we haven't got to actually learn anything about you yet. So I look forward to it. And then probably Q on the Yanu tribe. Although I'm fascinated by. Banu's existence on, I also love that Banu is on the Yanu tribe. It was just really great. Um, but I'm fascinated to see someone who like the next level of obviously basically everyone that plays this game at this point is super fans of the show and everything, but seeing someone who has that next level of connection to the show, um, and has this expressive, uh, of a personality, um, as we see on the next week on, you know, yelling at Jess uh, during the puzzle next week. Um, I'm excited to see how what his existence in this show looks like. Um, but my favorites probably as far as who I'm rooting for on each tribe would be Q, Gem, and Venus. Uh, but it's only one weekend, so we shall see. Uh, I do I do generally like pretty much everyone across the board. Um, 
same as you had said earlier. So then the question I referenced earlier, uh, but we'll ask now, if you had to bet, and we have seen the last couple seasons, there has been, there's been a little more one tribe that gets decimated very quickly. Um, and the other two kind of both do well. Um, but if you had to pick which of the three tribes do you think goes into the merge with the most people left? Which tribe do you think is the best basically at this point right I'm, now? I'm thinking Nami. And like, I actually, I would like to say during the episode while it was airing, I ordered my Nami buff because that's how confident I am in Nami. Um, I like the tribe dynamic. I like how strong they are as a unit. There's, there doesn't seem to be much um, dissent within the group um, other than like the potential of Randon and Venus. And it seems super like surface level. Um, but yeah, they are they are my tribe to beat right now. Even though I do have favorites on the other tribes, they're my tribe to beat. I think yeah, I think I'm with you. I could I could see this one being a little more even because I do think you know Yanu is the one who's lost someone here. But I I almost look at them as maybe the strongest tribe now after having lost the one person or the one I'd feel the best about in in games. Although again, we haven't really seen anyone's puzzle puzzle abilities yet at all other than they all five out of the six people did a solid job at the the first kind of base more basic of the puzzles that they're offered on survivor uh i do feel like the reverse this question i i feel like siga is gonna maybe be if if any of them like loses three people in a row the next three episodes i feel like it could be them both because again there was kind of the most clear lines drawn right away and they, you know, they basically had as much struggle as Yanu did in in both of these, but you know, kind of squeezed by both times, just being a little bit better than Yanu was. And now I do think Yanu is better now, having lost the member. Um, so I could see them maybe struggling, but I do think Yami, not Yami, not Nami. I'll have the names down by next week. I'm proud of myself for how well I've already done, but uh, just started. I think I just combined all three of them somehow. Three four-letter names I just tried to combine into one one name there. Uh, but I think they are they're the strongest tribe. But tribe strength is one thing, individual is another. So let's make our winners picks. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you made your own outside of on on podcast or on public forums going into the season. If you did, feel free to share or not share. I did not. Again, I literally did not know any of these people until I clicked play on the episode. Um, so I have not, and I have not planned in advance. I am going to make this my choice live right now. But I would love to hear yours first, and maybe some argument behind it while I think in the background because I did not prepare. <laughs> So we have, I am doing a survivor draft with um, the people we watch with every week. And we're, we purposely, because um, Sarah wasn't feeling well, so she didn't watch the episode um, until I rewatched it for notes. So we uh, gave ourselves a week to get to know the players and then we're going to do our draft. So I've told them they're not allowed to listen to this episode until after we've done the draft so that they don't know my game plan <laughs> because I feel that that's what's going to work best for me. I, despite the fact that she is not within my list of like top three favorites, <clears throat> I've had a good vibe about Tiffany since preseason and being like watching the episode. It's continued that track of like, she's got a good handle on the game. She's in a good place socially. She's strong. She seems to be smart. Um, and she, she seems to be really level headed. So 
I feel fairly good with her as a winner pick, even if I have to change it in a couple weeks after she gets voted out. Uh, but she is my winner pick for the time being. Okay. Uh, that I being like said, it. I would love to see Mariah win uh, because one of my favorite moments of the episode was me being so wrong about my assumption of Mariah and just that the show can still do that, that I can still think something going in and being so completely off base. Yeah. Love it. Okay. I'm with you. I, if I had to pick someone from Yanu, I would probably pick Tiffany, uh, as the, the, the strongest player in that group right now. My pick though is going to come from Sega and I am going to go with the person we gave the best move of the episode to. And maybe it's just clouded by that as like one piece of evidence, but I feel good about Maria. Um, being in a really solid position on her tribe and then being able to go into a potential merge uh, without having an immediately high threat level. If she can kind of walk the, she did a really good job. Which, was it her and uh, Tim that like bonded immediately over being parents, but then she was quick to be like, but I don't want to be anyone's mom out here. Like I'm not, we're not, not letting that role become a thing um, that she could, even if she's like run Sega and goes into the, the merge is like clearly the the player, the viewers in that tribe know is like, she's kind of in charge around here that maybe being on the older side of this group of cast would maybe in being able to be like, I'm going to, I know to avoid the pothole of like, I'm not your mom, like role and different things. And we've seen, she's just smart. And I also thought, again, as I referenced earlier, like Q is the one standout, like clearly you're really athletic. So like in the the physical stuff that comes in, like you're going to be a threat, but otherwise we don't, there's no one else that kind of stands out, you know, either way in that she was one that kind of, to me, I was like, I feel like you, I don't, I feel, I got some like Julia of last season, the, you know, the opposite of the mama part, but the mama J of like, for some reason, I just envision you being very close to and or winning all the endurance uh, ones. Like, it seems like you, I don't know why, but I, I just get the vibe of like, you could stand there forever and that you probably have good balance or just will and determination and, and everything else. So she Maria gives me Heidi is vibes, kind of- Heidi from 44. Um, oh yeah. 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 Absolute Heidi vibes. And as soon as you said that you had somebody from Sega, that's exactly who I thought you were going to pick. Yeah. I just, yeah, I feel like she's just in a good spot to get to the merge and then would be able to, from the what we know so far, would be able to do the appropriate, get my threat level to the appropriate spot somewhere in the middle at, at the media, the merge, no matter how they come in. And uh, yeah, so we'll see. We're, you know, probably odd say that those two both go home sooner rather than later. Hopefully not. It would, I would love if both of our winners picks could at least make the merge. That would, I'd feel success in that or at least prove to be good players that we've decided that they are one episode in, but I think, uh, I think that's going to happen. So that's, uh, that's it. Any other closing thoughts, anything we didn't touch on? Uh, we did find a way to go the full, uh, you know, almost two hours here that the episode itself was, but you know, we'll get that down in future, future weeks. We'll at least drop to 90 minutes when the episodes themselves do any final thoughts about this episode or what's to come on this season. Uh, we've got some questions from our, oh, yeah. oh my God. our listeners. I, Let's hear them. I don't seems weird if I say from our fans, because that's strange to me um, from people who listen to our podcast. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so my friend, Jen, she asked, 
actually, she asked something that we've sort of covered, but which was um, where Nami seems to be like the dominant tribe, whether or not we think that that's going to continue. And I think that we both fairly definitively were like, they've, they've had the advantage of the social gelling where I think that can outweigh strength. Um, yeah. If anything, I see them being the tribe, the one that like, after three people have gone home or something, being the one tribe where someone probably Tevin uh, offers up, like, should we lose once? Cause like, maybe we do want to get rid of Randon or maybe we do want to get rid of Liz or whatever. Like, should we lose guys? Like I could see them being that in that position three episodes from now of the tribe that's like do we want all six of us to go to emerge like are we sure um so yeah it's uh, like when uh, yeah it's like when danny uh danny's tribe tried to throw the challenge but nasir was too good at the challenge and they actively had to at one point just be like fine we're gonna win because they couldn't throw it any more than they were <laughs> yeah uh so yeah, potentially Rand and hope you have it in you to carry your team to a victory if they're all working against you. Um, yeah. That's, that's a bold prediction for me. I, I see that scenario potential in the future. I could see it. I could definitely see it. Now, the other thing was more of just like an assumption, like of, of an observation, which was that all of the tribes seems to be in their tribe colors, except for Nami, which seems to be a real mixed bag of like clothing where they're not all wearing orange they're wearing like variations like some are wearing yellow um i think hunter was wearing green at one point like they're not in their unified tribe colors now on on fire jeff had said that the art team sort of looks at the overall theme and the season logo and then they pull those colors for the tribes and then that creates sort of a color palette for wardrobe where if you're the orange tribe then you've sort of got oranges, yellows, and browns to work with. But like it's it seems almost I said, like I wouldn't be surprised if maybe when they got everybody there and they started figuring it out, that they had to shuffle people around. They might have had to reshuffle the deck as far as the tribes go. And they might just not have had other clothing options. But it was just it was an interesting thing to note because so often they're just like very definitively, this is the yellow tribe, they're all wearing yellow, or this is the orange tribe, they're all wearing orange, and they're just not. Um, I'm looking at the full cast photo, although this is like, this that looks is like what they wore, yeah. but is they end up not, you know, this isn't really what they're mostly in during the season. I'm trying to find just the specific team. I did notice the same, the, the uh, green one was the one that stood out. Sega stood out of like, they're all legitimately wearing green. Um, and, uh, but I think three or four of the people on the orange one, because uh, Venus has like the burnt orange pants. Tevin's wearing a lot of yellow and orange and Soda's wearing a lot of orange. Um, so they've got some of it, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it is interesting how they would, how would they would do that? And I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad the buffs are the only thing that are like the required, you know, thing. Uh, it's not like they have to like wear team shirts or something like that. Um, but yeah, interesting, interesting to note. Maybe it alludes to, some swaps or things that are going to happen in the future. Who knows? Yeah. And I'll be interested. Like I'll keep an eye on it in case I can find something in like other podcasts that I'm listening to that might bring it up and address it. But um, the only other one was actually from loyal, loyal listener of the pod. My wife um, <laughs> was whether or not, <laughs> whether or not the award, the reward challenges are going to be changed up this year 
to account for the fact that Liz is allergic to like coconuts and chicken and a bunch of other things that are traditionally like standard rewards on Survivor. Um, so whether or not it's going to be changed and they're going to have like a different high protein thing like for in place of chicken or whether that's going to be something that she just has to contend with as a player on Survivor or whether it comes back to that fairness thing that we've talked about in the past of where Survivor wants to be fair. So if everybody on her tribe wins a reward that is protein and the point is protein, but it's chicken, then how does that work? Yeah, that is going to be interesting and tricky. And uh, I don't want to be too uh, dangerous opinions potentially sometimes share, but I do want Liz, I'm, I'm begging you go to like a holistic uh, health person and check out your gut. Cause I think you could resolve some of them potentially. Um, There's a lot of things to be allergic to uh, that, you know, maybe you did get uh, the unfortunate draw uh, that way, but I, I think you could clear up some of them potentially if you went to the right health coach and really looked at your gut, but I'm, I'm weird. I'm super into the world of gut health <laughs> and, and stuff like that. So uh, she's clearly in, you know, if that's even possible, not going to happen on the Island. Um, it is strange. Cause yeah, she lists a lot of the things that would be a part of the regular and would they just have an alternative available for her? Cause this is obviously very different than like, we've had vegetarians and vegans on the show before where they're like, Hey, like, you know, too bad, you know, to some degree, that's a choice first, not a choice or whatever. So we don't have to feel like we're, are fair around that. And it don't, if anything, it leads to like interesting discussions of like, why are you and will you stance and whatever? And we get some discussion of that. Um, it's tricky. And it also makes me think of, again, challenge. I always think of challenge related stuff, but we had the recent, fairly recent controversy, maybe is a strong word, but like we had Tori notoriously like putting in her contract that like, I'm a vegan. And so when you make us eat disgusting stuff, I need an alternative because like it goes against my like values and stuff. And they, you know, in the ride or dies one notoriously like did and, or she didn't have to drink some of the stuff and Devin got to do all of it when everyone else's rules were slightly different, whatever. Um, so we've seen an example where people will, these types of shows would bend rules and survivor, like you said, is the one that tries to be fair. So I think there will be, I think like, and maybe it's a, I don't know. Would they go as far as like, you won the reward yourself. Like if she was in an individual and won, and it was like, Hey, you won. So we swapped out what's at the sanctuary and made it something that's going to be good for you versus Tevin won and invited you. And so like you're here, but then some of you could eat some of the stuff, but like, sorry, we didn't swap out the chicken. And this is mostly like, there's a chicken here and some potatoes or whatever. Um, yeah, that's going to be, I'm, now I'm like interested that she goes far, plenty far enough for us to like confront this and get an answer to it to know. Uh, and also, a great does she not? Does she not get invited? Because if they say we're gonna, you're gonna win a chicken, her tribe knows that she's allergic. So do yeah. you then not take her on the advantage because you can take somebody else who will be able to benefit from it and everything like that? Or do you take you her and so, piss off the rest of the tribe of like, uh, right. I want all the chicken. And so you're not going to eat it. So you can. Yeah. Come. <laughs> so like, 
it it causes like a really interesting dynamic that I didn't I didn't fully think of until like we're talking about it now of that also impacts potentially what rewards she gets brought on if she doesn't outright win. Yeah. Or yeah, just the cuz the one I don't think they'll change is like while they're in the team if the team wins the basket of fruit or whatever, like I don't think there's going to be any changes in those ones necessarily, so it might their their team might be like this is secretly kind of awesome. Uh, like we all get a little bit more and we have to like be nice about it, but like, it's kind of cool that we get a little bit more or maybe could lead to a weird situation where if someone tries to take advantage of that, I was like, I thought you were allergic to this. And she's like, I never said that one or whatever. What do you mean? It's like, I don't know. Well, I already ate all of it. So too bad. <laughs> uh, I was just trying to help you out. Um, yeah. Very interesting dynamic, very astute observation. Um, so great job, Sarah. And that's all I got. Those were the two for this all time. Right, wonderful. Well, yeah, if anyone has any questions, uh, Instagram DMs are always open. Um, different chat rooms. I think some of those came from Brain Candy chat room correctly. So, yep. Yeah, the Brain uh, Candy wherever, Discord. Wherever you find us, feel free to send us questions. And uh, Tony will make sure that I don't end the podcast before we get a chance to answer them because <laughs> that is super fun and led to some great observations. So, yeah, wonderful. Um, but yeah, with that, I think we are good to end here. So thanks everyone for being back with us again. We will be back hopefully as many weeks, if not every week, uh, that we can, and they will likely typically come out sometime over the weekend. Uh, especially with, although the challenge all stars is the premiere episodes on a Sunday night. I don't know if they're dropping multiple a week or what the exact schedule is there, but don't I actually will be watching Survivor on Wednesday nights for the foreseeable future. Um, so we'll see. Maybe these will come out a little earlier than they did last season, uh, but probably over the weekend is your best bet if you needed to make one. But otherwise, don't bet on when or if uh, is your is the actual best bet that you can make. So thanks everyone for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. 